Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. For this post-game pod, game two is in the books. It probably went for about three quarters longer than was absolutely necessary. But this podcast is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. And Frank, I was just talking to someone about this before we started recording here. And I was thinking back to the postseason last year against Miami, and it was a disappointing series for different, in different ways. But the Bucs were never obliterated like this. Like this game, I can't remember watching a Milwaukee Bucks game where after five minutes, I was just like, you know what, can this game end? I, I'm really going to struggle to watch the last three quarters of this game. The Bucs were never in it. They looked outmatched. They're outcoached, outworked, outhustled. Every single area of the game you look at, and they now find themselves down 2-0 in the series. And I generally think most times when you're down 2-0, you understand that you're in a really, really bad spot but you can talk yourself into some positives or some area of the game where you see the improvement or you saw some positives within the two games. I haven't seen that in these two games. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm struggling to identify a single area where I think that the Bucs have looked competent, to be honest, through the first two games. This looks like a lottery team up against the prime Golden State Warriors. It, it's, it, it is more than a little concerning if you're a Bucs fan. Yeah, I mean, trying to you know, pinpoint like this, this was the point of failure tonight. You know, like if your if your car had its muffler fall off, all four wheels come off, engine start on fire and the steering steering wheel goes whip Um, out of the window. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to, I think you should leave. Um, Yeah. When all that happens at the same time, it's kind of hard to, you know, pinpoint one thing. Um, Yeah. I mean, obviously this was a game that, that, um, you know, we were, I was part of uh, some, some of the discussion sort of in the afternoon around, you know, is this really a must win, you know, how to think about it. And um, I guess I, apparently I said it the other day because um, someone tweet, quoted me on it um, about, you know, if you go down 2-0, then you got to win four out of five. And that just seems like a hell of a mountain to climb, you know, regardless of, of James Harden's health or anything else. Um, and, you know, I, I, I tweeted out the, the bad news uh, for Bucks fan. Let's just get it all out of the way. Um, in best of seven series in the conference semis or later, uh, teams that go up to to nothing have won ninety three percent of the time. So, um, you know, the good news is, uh, I guess we 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 know from experience it doesn't always happen. Uh, the bad news <laughs> is it was the Bucks on the business end of that against the Raptors two years ago. So, ironically, that maybe give, is giving some Bucks fans like more hope that you know a series like this can be turned around. But um, but yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it, it's kind of mission impossible, I think, at this point. Um, and I think if you had been really competitive in the first two games, and then you can probably more easily talk yourself into, exactly. all right, you know, let's flip the script, right? And, and get some things to go our way and, 
and you know you win game three. I think Giannis is making the point. It's the only thing you can do as a team now is to try to take it one game at a time, and you try to win game three, get it to two one, and you try to get win game four and you get it to two two, and then you know it's best of three, and, and then you, <laughs> you still need to win two out of three. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this is you know this is obviously it's you've you've put yourself in a very very difficult position, but I think the the bigger problem that you're alluding to is just you know where do you go from what we just saw? Because you came out in game one, some things worked in your favor, some things didn't it felt like there were some things you could do. And, um, you know, there was, there was nothing from in game two that suggested this team, you know, could be take, should be taken seriously <laughs> in series. Right. I mean, um, I, you know, like, obviously a lot of it deservedly is, is going to focus on Mike Budenholzer and his coaching and, and preparation, things like that. I think, I think anytime a team looks like they're just not ready to play basketball, you have to throw a, a lot of questions at the coach, obviously. Right. Um, but I think like, I mean, the players, <laughs> I mean, Chris Middleton, oh for eight. I mean, I, I'm just looking at, it, I think like, is this guy hurt? It, what, what is going on with Chris Middleton that he is, you know, starting the series six out of 31. And then, you know, basically the game was over. He, he then to hit, hit six in a row. So I was like, okay, good to see some shots going through the hoop. Good to see that still possible. But, you know, Chris completely no showed that first quarter when they needed him. And Giannis, you know, there's just been this assumption that Giannis is just going to destroy the nets all series long. Cause he put up a ton of points in the regular season against him. But you know, he just didn't look like he knew how to attack them today. And he finishes with 18 points on 15 shots. But, you know, I mean, could not, didn't even seem to know how to attack Blake Griffin or, or uh, any guy that got switched on him. Again, what's he going to do? Shoot mid-range jump shots? Like, he's not good at those. Um, he sold Jack some, you know, early clock threes. Today they weren't going in. And he made a free throw, but he also missed – uh, six out of the five out of the other six he attempted and finishes uh, two out of seven. So he's two out of 10 from the free throw line in the series. So, you know, again, just, <laughs> and we talked about him is, you know, I was the bad guy Kane right after game one of the Miami series. And I was like really getting down on Giannis and just like, when is he going to be offensively the guy you can rely on to create shots and be efficient and, and just know that he's going to do it every game. And, Obviously, the numbers were really good in game one from the field for him. But today, um, he was obviously, I think, just a huge part of just feeling like they did not have a plan. They just did not know how they wanted to attack. I mean, you're telling me this guy's supposed to outplay Kevin Durant in a seven-game series and lead you to a, a series win? I mean, God, like he just looks so far from being the guy that, that the Bucks need him to be tonight. And again, hopefully they all respond and come out and play with a purpose on in game three. but. Um, you know, they've, they've dug themselves a hole and the way that they've looked doing it, um, just, you know, look, we're, we can't mince words here. It's just, it just does not give you much room for, for any optimism for this series. Well, I'm ready to just, just say it. And look, I think that we've seen enough all season long to believe that this is the case, but I don't think there's a better basketball player in the world right now than Kevin Durant. I mean, you, you talk about the gap between him and Giannis, which is very real right now, but the best way to describe it would be that. When you were looking at this team 
on either end of the floor. And I thought, personally, the Bucks were in big trouble early in this game. And obviously, it was very obvious. But the shot selection from Giannis told me that he wasn't in the right frame of mind to attack this Brooklyn defense. Because let's be honest, he was very, very efficient in game one and had 34 points, despite not hitting a free throw. I mean, there was no reason for us to believe coming into this game that that wasn't going to continue. And he started this game by jacking up a bunch of jump shots, which were just ridiculous. They're not good shots for him. And he acknowledged after the game that he's got to be more aggressive. He's got to get to his spots. But that's typically what's said after every loss of every poor performance. Too many jump shots tonight. And then you look down the other end, and any time Brooklyn need a basket, even in situations where if they are going to be behind, you just know that he can walk into a shot that you feel is really high percentage. Right now, Giannis and the Bucks aren't in that point, uh, aren't in that situation. I'll, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Before I get to that, I've got to announce the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Uh, talk about timing. Here. <laughs> talk, about, <laughs> talk about why Mamadi, you... Mamadi, Mamadi Diakite for clotheslining Tyler Johnson and showing some like frustration. The only thing that made Bucks fans feel good in like a really sad way is that does, does, does Mama D get, get a shout out for the Walter player of the week? Maybe not, but, but uh, that was maybe the only, the only, the only, the only player that stood up for anything tonight on the Bucks side. How, how sad was that? No, that's exactly the area I was going. We're on the exact same right path here. Dear Kite is the Mikulov Ultra Player of the Week for showing a little <laughs> bit of fire, showing a little bit of passion. He was on the floor for fewer than 60 seconds and he already picked up a flagrant. So shout out to Dear Kite because the rest of the Bucks have looked absolutely lifeless. And remember, with Mikulov Ultra at only 2.6 cars and 95 calories, joy creates success. I got a, at least a little bit of joy out of that flagrant foul. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. Mamadi Diakite is the Mikulov Ultra Player of the Week. Now over to our friends at Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. Be sure to join me tomorrow night, tonight, Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, and we'll talk all things Milwaukee Bucks. Just download the Locker Room app now. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, join the NBA group, and follow at Kane Pittman to be notified when my room goes live. That's Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. By the way, it's funny because I I saw, I forget who tweeted it, but somebody tweeted like, I generally consider it a positive when you don't foul the other team and give them free throws. Um, and that's kind of the wild thing, right? Like the, the Nets shot only nine free throws from the first game. They only shot seven tonight. Um, but then someone pointed out like, oh, Bucks haven't, you know, like I guess the implication was like, oh, somebody should take a hard foul and put them on their ass and make them shoot some free throws or whatever. And like they hadn't, I think the Nets like hadn't shot free throws from like the second quarter, like maybe up and it might've been up until that foul or something like that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. Cause I think Durant shot those four free throws pretty early in the first quarter or something like that. And then Tyler Johnson at two out of two, Durant was four or five. Tyler Johnson was two for two, six for seven total from the nets. Um, so even the one thing that the bucks seemingly have done, right. You can argue is actually, 
It's actually bad because they're not really making notes or anything. I don't know if I buy quite quite that uh, to that extent, but um, but yeah, you flip it around to the other side. Uh, Adetokumbo's were the only people that shot or make free, made free throws tonight. Thanasis has now hit as many free throws in this series as Giannis. Giannis is two for ten, and Thanasis is two for two. So if you needed another depressing, you know, Giannis ain't it. Uh, stat there you go from uh, from there but yeah bizarre bizarre degree of um uh non free throw shooting from both teams in both games to a large extent but um you know while i'm looking at a three-point line uh, the bucks improved because they couldn't get any worse but um the whole hey they're due for a good night didn't happen eight out of 27 29.6 percent meanwhile brooklyn 21 out of 42 50 percent and you know the Bucks are now. I'm pretty sure the Bucks are now below 30 percent for the playoffs. So you know we we thought all season like, oh, they they got shooters. They're going to be better at three point shooting in the playoffs. Finally, they're not going to you know just collectively go into some huge funk during the playoffs. Nope, even worse. <laughs> so I, they got some work to do. They got some work to do in games three and four here, not just to keep the series going, but. Um, to to reclaim some of their their dignity uh, as three point shooters or, or proclaim three point shooters. Well, after game one of the Miami series, I had the conversation, and I think it was with Justin on the show. And I said, "Look, at this point, there is some serious serious question marks over this team's ability to deliver in the postseason and just shoot the ball. I mean, the most basic skill that they continually show during the regular season and continually fail in the postseason. And to be honest." If it wasn't for Bryn Forbes, they were pretty bad against Miami. And his couple of big outbursts really disguised the fact that they didn't shoot the ball well against the Heat either. So this is the third straight year that the Bucks' three-point shooting has absolutely crumbled in the postseason. I don't know what you read into that, but the numbers are just horrific when you look at them. I thought, and just to quickly add to a point you made earlier, when you talk about the free throws and the free throw attempts, I think any time the Bucks come up against a team like the Nets and, you know, the small market, big market, there's always a concern that the officials are going to get involved. Through two games, Kyrie Irving hasn't attempted a single free throw. It's unbelievable. I don't know whether that's just a lack of resistance from the Bucks' defense in totality or, or what that really means, but it's just an incredible stat. And I think defensively, I spent a lot of time talking about Brook Lopez in between game one and game two because I think even before the series, we spoke about the fact that if, you, if the Bucks are going to have one advantage, it's going to be Giannis and Brook and the size. And they, they need to find a way to take advantage of that. But be wary that the Nets are going to attack Brook Lopez on the defensive end. And so far, I mean, the Nets have just shot practice three-point shots. They're putting Brook Lopez in screen action every single chance they get. The Bucks haven't really adjusted at all to that. And it's just too easy right now with Durant and Irving handling the ball and Joe Harris standing out there on his own to get the Bucks in rotation and they try and switch and keep Brook Lopez staying in the paint. But it's too hard to do because these guys are too good and they're always one pass away from an open three. And it's, it's become very quickly the old Bucks when you look at even the way Brook Lopez was sort of positioning himself on the floor. They tried to get the ball over to him over the top for those lobs that we've seen offensively, but he did spend much of the the first quarter standing out on the perimeter and he hit a couple of threes to his credit, but it just has felt like as soon as the pressure has come on this team, they've defaulted directly back to what we've seen in the past 
and it's become it's just far too easy for Brooklyn and this Blake Griffin addition to this team I mean we're talking about one of the great con jobs in the history of the NBA when you look at the way that he's been able to play the way he's moving athletically I don't think anyone is like 100% shocked we all knew that he was tanking his way out of Brooklyn out of Detroit but I mean he's just been a huge factor in this series and when you're coming in you, you couldn't have possibly accounted for him playing the role that he's played. He only had seven points and eight rebounds tonight, but he, he's just doing the little things. And I think that sums up the difference in the role players here tonight. I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast. Any thoughts that the Bucs are a deep team is out the window. Frank, you've been saying it all season long. We've been saying it. The Bucs aren't a deep team. They, they foregoed that when they brought in Drew Holiday and tried to load up at the top end of the roster, which is what most uh, contending teams do. But to this point, the role players are having a huge impact for Brooklyn as well. But defensively, I, I don't know what you do with Brook Lopez at this point. Uh, I, I honestly, I mean, I think that's not right. I don't know that that's actually like where my, my concerns would begin, though, with, with, with Brook. I mean, like I mean, defensively, there were times, th- 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 I mean, we, we saw multiple times where Drew and Chris or, or, or Chris and Giannis like literally didn't communicate like a basic perimeter switch and they left guys open. I mean, like we've talked all year about, you know, just how, yeah, they're leaning more to switching, but they're really not great at it. And it's just like, I mean, the, the sloppiness and lack of communication, even on some of that stuff, is just baffling. Like Forbes, I know Nate Duncan was tweeting out, you know, like when Forbes was out and, you know, they try to hedge and recover with Forbes and it's just like the most basic stuff. And, you know, part of it too is just, Brooke can come up, but like Drew Holiday's then coming in to try to slow down Durant and they just kicks it up and, you know, Drew's doubling from one pass away. I mean, it's just, you know, easy shit. Right. I mean, again, like I don't, I don't think, I mean, Giannis can't do anything with, with Kevin Durant either. Right. Put Giannis on him. I mean, Giannis thinks it was got smoked a couple times again tonight. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like there, there's, there's such a whack-a-mole problem right now with, with kind of everything that, I'm not even that worried about, about Brooke, to be honest, as much. Um, I think, you know, again, I, I get it, right? Like, we know that, that they, you go downhill with Kyrie and, and Katie on pick and rolls. Um, they're going to get, you know, mid-range shots that they like. But um, at this point, <laughs> I'll live with those over, you know, just some of the easy shit that they're getting and the layups and wide open threes and some of those things, right? Which, again, I think is part of it is just, some of the overhelping and things like that, which I understand, right? I mean, we saw it two years ago too. They, they kind of overhelp because, you know, guys are, are mid-range jumper artists, right? And they're, they're really dangerous. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, even tonight, right? Like as good as Kyrie and, and KD, you know, seeing like KD 32 on 18 shots, like he was, he was really, really good. You know, Kyrie was 22 on 17 shots. So, I mean, he was good. But as you said, he still hasn't tempted a free throw. So, you know, efficiency wise, like those guys aren't murdering you, but it's just everybody like you're not holding, you know, like, as you're allowed to, like the, the role players are really stepping up and hurting you. And, you know, Mike James, Bruce Brown, I, I thought it was, it was interesting. Bruce Brown goes into starting five. Bruce Brown does not, does not shoot threes. Typically he made one out of two tonight, but you can play off him, which gives you in theory, more flexibility with Giannis and Brooke. Um, but they did a really nice job of, you know, using him as a screener. He got a pick and roll finish at one point, you know, it's just like, okay, how about Brooke? You're seven feet tall, maybe block, you know, midget, midget Bruce Brown at the rim, try to contest that shot. But, um, I don't know. It's just such a, they were such a mess tonight. I just, it's just like, it's like, where do you even begin? I, I, yeah. 
Let's talk about Theragun now, Frank. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Can you believe that? The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life like being a Milwaukee Bucks fan, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. And then uh, what we're going to need you to do is go across to betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I'm tipping if you go there right now, uh, the odds for the Bucks winning this series would be rather juicy. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams continue their runs through the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked On for that one. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. To your point about not specifically, um, you know, singling out Brooke, I think that I think that's right. I don't think it's fair to specifically say it's Brooke, but when I mention Brooke, I'm basically talking about what the whole team is trying to do defensively. And I again tonight, I mean, they had 30, 38 points in the paint. They were nineteen for thirty six in the paint. So it, it's not like you're getting crushed. And and I agree. I mean, there was a couple of occasions there where they they run a pick and roll, and then it's one pass to. Blake Griffin, and because the help comes, he's got an open dunk. You know, I mean, the, the, those situations, and I think we have to give credit to Brooklyn. I mean, they moved the ball. And it was, as much as we've thought all season long that watching Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden go isolation, 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 you watch this team and the way they move the ball and the way they engage those role players and take advantage of the way that they are being left alone. I mean, it's beautiful to watch. And I, I thought tonight the contrast of the way that Brooklyn were moving the ball compared with the way that the Bucks were trying to play their offense in, in isolation a lot of the time, the, the contrast was pretty stark. I just think that when you are playing against a Kyrie Irving and a Kevin Durant, whether it is Brooke Lopez or whether it's Giannis, whoever it is, I don't, and again, you're talking about picky poison here and they're probably going to score another way anyway. So you, you're just trying to plug holes all over the boat. But I thought that again, it, I was watching it and it looked like they were just running a drill, to be honest. I mean, and again, is that Brooke Lopez specifically? I don't know, but it's still frustrating to watch. I don't know how to explain it, Frank, but it just was over and over and over and over, just far too easy. I mean, yeah, pick pick literally anything the Bucks tried to do tonight and it was too easy. You know, that's (laughs) basically kind of what it it came down to. Um, So, yeah, I mean... uh, Alas, you know, never trust the Bucks. There it goes. I had to, I had to repin my, my tweet from a few years ago. Uh, it was that time of year. At some point, we reached the point where we have to break out the never trust the Bucks. And alas, um, I, I, had to, I had to call it tonight. I had to call the never trust the Bucks tweet, bring that back up. Um, 
So I, I think, I, you know, I think it's going to be a really interesting, I, I'm just at this point, just very interested to see how they respond. Just, I think it was just to see what it says about them as, you know, players as a team, et cetera. Right. Um, Cause you got a coaching staff fighting for its life, basically, <laughs> you know, like um, if they get swept, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I, nice job in the Miami series, bud, but um, I, I don't, I don't think you, if you get wiped out in, those, in round two, I, I think there's just going to be too much of a groundswell um, to, to not make a change in the coaching department. Uh, so we'll see. Um, and, and again, I just think the, the lack of belief and just, you know, they just look cooked, you know, like just, just, they just didn't come out looking like they believed they could win this game, which I just did not expect to see. Right. Especially the way they started the last game. Um, but it just wasn't there. Um, and, and just, you know, I think, I think, I think it's, it's, it's really frustrating too, because it just feels like, you know, we talk about Brooke and Giannis and the advantages they have, and it's just, this is always kind of the problem is those two guys, like to take advantage of those guys and, and their mismatches, it's not easy for them. You know, Giannis isn't KD. You can't just get a small guy on him and shoot over him, right? He's got to dribble and probe and try to go around the guy, <laughs> you know? And if he settles for anything outside of a layup or dunk, it's generally not a high percentage shot. Um, and they're not, they're really not, you know, getting called for fouls. So he's not getting to the free throw line. And when he is, he's not making free throws. So it's just, it's just a really, it's just really difficult the Bucs are finding it really difficult to play that they want to play. And, you know, again, this is, this is coming in. Everyone just assuming that, that Brooklyn was a terrible defense and Bucks would just be able to score, you know, 125 a night and it would be a shootout every night. And, you know, Brooklyn deserves a lot of credit. They've just, you know, I mean, just handled the Bucks. And, and I think part of it too is like, I don't, you think, you think Brooklyn is afraid of the Bucks hitting three pointers on them? I don't think they are. <laughs> Like, I mean, it, it doesn't help when, when Blake Griffin can basically just, you know, handle Giannis one-on-one most of the time as, as he did tonight. He definitely couldn't do that in game one. But, they, you know, a lot of times they're not really afraid, I think, of, of Giannis trying to go one-on-one. They're, they're kind of shading over help. I don't think they're worried about Giannis finding a guy in the corner to shoot a three because they're not making anything. Uh, and I think, you know, they've started to um, – I think the pick and roll was just – everything is getting a lot more congested, I think, through the middle of the lane because – Obviously, we everybody knows that's a way that the Bucks like to use Giannis. But you know, if you're not making jump shots, it's last year, two years ago. It's all it's all the same story, right? Like then, then there's really it's really hard to keep to keep the defense honest. So um, credit to the Nets. I mean, they've they've been much better offensively, they've been much better defensively than the Bucks as well. Which you know, I think obviously nobody nobody thought that would be true. But um, you know, two games in, that's that's kind of where we stand. We'll see how the Bucks respond. No question, and I know we've seen a lot of it on Twitter just through the game in the post-game, certainly probably in both of our mentions, there is a want and a desire to jump to the off-season already and, and look for blood, and I certainly understand that. I think you've sort of worded it out as well as you possibly could so far. Put it this way, I think if Mark Budenholzer sat down tonight, which he didn't. He was standing up for much, much of the game, which was probably a smart move because if he sat down, he'd probably get blisters on his ass from how hot the seat is right now. And look, we've given him you know, appropriate praise, I would say, through the regular season for the moves that he's made. And, and we also ultimately said that the postseason was going to be defining. And if this continues down this path, I don't think we really need to explain which direction this is, this is heading here. I think everyone can see it. 
But I think still, if you're a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks, you want to see this team show up, as you pointed to, Frank, and show some, show some spirit in Game 3 and Game 4. And, and who knows? Try and get Game 3 and go from there. Uh, two nights off, so they'll have a bit of time to think about this loss. I am going to have... <laughs> is, that, is that good? I don't think it's good for us as, as fans and, and viewers of this. Uh, I, I, I just want to get to the next game just to try to wipe, wipe the taste out of this one. But um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely going to be a, a huge gut check for the Bucs um, just to see how they respond. Yeah, no, it's, I don't know either. I mean, two nights off, one night off, who knows? When you're losing that badly, you're almost just like, can we just get this over with and find out sooner rather than later how this is going to go down? Uh, I was, just before we recorded this, did a little hit with our friend Peter Bukowski on the Locked On Today podcast. You can get all the sports new, all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with Peter on a daily basis from all the major sports and with the help of the local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts now. I already mentioned there's some uh, high emotions, let's say that, on Twitter. I am doing a locker room podcast tomorrow. I mean, I tell you what, I'm really diving into the fire here. I'm risking it all to do a locker room podcast. 7.30 p.m. Central Time tomorrow or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. That'll be uh, Wednesday, is it? Tuesday. That'll be Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. If you've got some thoughts, you can jump in the chat or jump on... Uh, the speaker there and and chat to me and we'll we'll talk through this because we've got a couple of days as I said before game three at Fiserv Forum so hopefully a few of you guys and girls can join us for that podcast there but for Frank and myself a disappointing night in Bucksland uh, we'll regroup we'll be back tomorrow hopefully you guys will we'll, 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 reg- we'll regroup I don't know about the Bucks but well, we will <laughs> Uh, I'm regrouping. I'm in the process of regrouping. Like you said, who knows what the Bucks are going to do. Yeah. Uh, I, I just hope this season has a little bit longer left than what it's looking right now, Frank. I don't know. I was, I was really hoping for a long run here, but we'll see what happens. Uh, on that note, on that somber note, we'll see you guys tomorrow.